The Liberals Gun Corner, a proud progeny of the Gun Rights Radio Network, hosted by Cowboy T, San Francisco liberal with a gun. This podcast is always available at www.liberalsguncorner.com, and you can email us at cowboyt at liberalsguncorner.com. Cowboy T here, San Francisco liberal with a gun. <laughs> Emphasis on uh, liberal here. I keep telling you, we don't pull punches here on the Liberals Gun Corner. We're about to prove that yet again with this episode. Last time, we did a lot of talk about a so-called assault weapons. Yeah, uh, Senator Diane Feinstein is at it again. She, who, oh, by the way, is protected by all sorts of machine guns. She, yes, reintroduced her assault weapons ban Yet again, we talked last time about how that was a really bad idea and why. Now, I'm not sure if I convinced you, but while I like to think I presented a cogent case for my position at a minimum, if nothing else, I hope I gave you a little something to think about. You know, like Arsenio Hall used to say, uh, something to make you go, hmm. That's because it really does matter, folks. Seriously, it does. Now, my mother likes to call me a uh, resistor challenger. (laughs) She's been calling me that since I was four years old. Seems uh, she would have preferred a quiet, you know, little demure kid, kind of like she was. Uh, You know, the whole children are seen, not heard, that that, that sort of thing. Yeah. (laughs) Didn't quite turn out that way. (laughs) Yeah, I do resist. Yeah, I do challenge. And I thought that here in our country, that was supposed to be good. I thought we're supposed to always be doing that, you know, challenging the status quo, always looking for better ways. That's that marketplace of ideas that we're supposed to be so fond of here. You know, isn't that what America's supposed to be all about? I always thought so. I always thought that was supposed to be the liberal way. So that's what I do. Well, some people like my mother don't much care for that. And guess what? That's okay, too. You know, this is America. We get to do that here. But Dr. King resisted and challenged. Gandhi, before him, resisted and challenged. That's where Dr. King learned it. Uh, Lena Horne, uh, Harry Belafonte, uh, Sidney Poitier, uh, Jack Johnson, Jackie Robinson, uh, Hank Aaron, A. Philip Randolph, Gene Roddenberry. All sorts of people resisted and challenged. Mother Teresa resisted and challenged. Now, I'm not saying I could possibly compare myself to them. You know, <laughs> uh-uh, heck no. But I sure can follow the example they left for us. I'd be a darn fool if I didn't. So I resist and challenge. Sometimes people don't like that. Sometimes they say bad stuff to me for doing that. <laughs> Been happening all my life. But apparently we just don't learn around here at the Liberals Gun Corner because we're about to jump out of the frying pan straight into the fire. <laughs> yeah. Cool, huh? <laughs> you ready? Then let's get to it. Woo! <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, let's get ready to rumble! Seems the fact that I call myself a San Francisco liberal gets a lot of people to say, well, well, wait a sec, you sound like a libertarian. 
do you know about the Libertarians? <laughs> I've heard some folks ask me, is there really a difference between true liberals, at least as I look at it, and those Libertarian peoples? Is there really a difference? Now, you all should know by now that I, I kind of like jumping face first into issues. But before we do, we really should define some terms here, a chief of which is just what a liberal is. Well, it turns out that was well pretty much all of episode one back in 2012. And it hasn't changed in what the last, what is it now? Um, hmm, eight, eight and a half years? I know there was a bit of a break in there, but it's still been a while, and that belief has not changed one bit. But since, well, yeah, it has been a while, let's, let's do a quick recap. I still have that copy of Merriam-Webster, you know, same one I had back then, um, eight, eight and a half years ago. There are a bunch of definitions in there, and the one that applies the most to what we're talking about here is, <clears throat> hmm, let's, let's see what we got here. Let's open the book. Yeah, I got a bookmark here. One L L L L. Ah, here we go. A liberal is one who believes in liberalism. Oh yeah, gee, real helpful there. Nice job. You know, using your term to define your term. Yeah, way to go, Merriam-Webster. As Joe Biden would say. Come on, man. Yeah, Joe. This time I gotta agree. You know, let's see if we can narrow that down a little further, shall we? <laughs> So let's look up what this liberalism is. Hmm? Let's see. And what we got? Okay, liberal, liberal, liberalism. Ah, liberalism. Here we go. Definition of liberalism. Liberalism, a noun, a political philosophy based on belief in progress, the essential goodness of man, and the autonomy of the individual, and standing for tolerance and freedom for the individual from arbitrary authority in all spheres of life, especially by the protection of political civil liberties and, excuse me, political and civil liberties, and for government under law with the consent of the governed. Hmm. Sound familiar, folks? I sure hope so. We learned it in school, remember? Yeah. Remember where it's from? Don't worry, I'll give you a few seconds to think about it. Not coming to you right away? Well, it has been a while, admittedly, so let's refresh our memories a little bit. How's about this? We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their Creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men deriving their just powers... From the consent of the governed. Yes, we have heard those words before, haven't we? That is true liberalism. Anything else is not. 
I've been saying this for years, folks. It's all about the liberty. Liberalism, real liberalism, is all about the liberty, and it's always been all about the liberty. Now, what do these folks we call libertarians have to say? Well, years ago, I did some reading up on the subject, and it seems there are various types of libertarians, and there's a pretty big difference between those in the United States and those in other parts of the world, like Europe. Over in Europe, we're basically talking about voluntary government and you know, keeping it as small as possible. That's not necessarily true here in the United States, though it ain't far from it. I got to make a presumption here, by the way, that most of you listening are Americans like me, so out of necessity, I'm going to limit my discussion to the American libertarians, okay? Based on my readings about that, apparently libertarianism has its roots in something called classical liberalism. Well, what's that? Well, in a nutshell, it basically means socially liberal and fiscally conservative. Uh, let's talk about that a little further. Social or cultural liberalism can be viewed as, oh, the belief in people to express their own identities, you know, however they see fit, so long as they don't hurt anyone or step on the rights of anyone else to do likewise. Now, fiscal conservatism, what's that? Well, that's a belief that the government should only spend as much as it takes in. There's also a component saying that government should only spend as much as they absolutely have to, you know, like, say, a typical middle-class family has to do. You know, like you and I have to do. You know, spend only what you take in, keep your budget balanced, that sort of thing. You know, that kind of does sound like my own basic belief system. I'm definitely all about the right to do what you want, so long as you don't step on the rights of others to do likewise. Basically, as long as you're not hurting me or, or someone else, well... Go ahead and worship whatever god or gods you want. I don't care. Have whatever kind of, well, intimate consensual relations <laughs> that you want. Your business. Marry whomever you want, uh, if, if you want to. You know, if you want to marry someone, marry whomever you want. No matter what color, religion, sexual preference, or whatever arbitrary thing. That's your business. Just don't tread on others while you're doing it. Maybe some folks don't agree. Well, but... Well, that seems pretty fair to me. Also, I, well, I do think our nation's fiscal policy is utter C-R-A-P crap. <laughs> we're, we're, we're borrowing money like, uh, uh, like there's no tomorrow. What the heck's up with that? You know, I've been wondering about that one, by the way, ever since the 1980s when I first learned about this thing called the national debt. You and I try something like that? Huh, we know what happens to us. We lose everything we got. You and I need to live by a balanced budget, don't we? Yes, we do. So I don't understand this this cockamamie notion. That's not really the word I want to use, but you know this is for kids too. This cockamamie notion of not balancing our national budget. What kind of drugs are people on, I wonder, that cannot understand the need for this? I guess this is why some folks have asked me if I'm really a libertarian. I suppose it's a fair question. So, let's take a listen to what the Libertarian Party has to say compared to, well, what you just heard. Now, now I already know, just for those of you who are sticklers for detail, that, strictly speaking, there is a difference between libertarianism and the Libertarian Party. But, well, since I don't have the time here to do an encyclopedic discussion of the differences... That's probably a better idea for a political science class in college. And since it seems, to me anyway, that the Libertarian Party pretty much represents the Libertarian beliefs, I went to their website for some information. <laughs> Sue me. <laughs> On their website, they say this. Quote, 
We hold that all individuals have the right to exercise sole dominion over their own lives and have the right to live in whatever manner they choose, so long as they do not forcibly interfere with the equal right of others to live in whatever manner they choose. Close quote. Hmm. Okay, sounds pretty good. Oh, they also say this. Quote, Individuals are inherently free to make choices for themselves and must accept responsibility for the consequences of the choices they make. Our support of an, individual, of an individual's right to make choices in life does not mean that we necessarily approve or disapprove of those choices. No individual, group, or government may rightly initiate force against any other individual, group, or government. Close quote. Reading their website further seems to be an expansion on these two major points. Basically, get government out of our lives. We have the right to do whatever we choose so long as we don't step on the rights of others to do likewise. That we have the right to defend ourselves, and they specifically cite the Second Amendment, by the way. Uh, Bigotry of any sort is bad news, uh, as is sending our armed forces on overseas nation-building adventures like we've been doing for the last, what, several decades, uh, and so on. Wow. I got to say, so far, I agree with them. Yeah, these libertarians are sounding a whole lot like, well, liberals to me. So far, so good. However, I do have some concerns. Continuing my reading, they also seem to believe very much in a laissez-faire economic policy. You know, like we used to have in this country years ago. It looks to me that by the libertarian philosophy, sure, government should be there to protect the nation from aggressors. Yeah, of course. However, there should also be no regulations on monopolies, no environmental laws. Their view is that private landowners and conservation groups will naturally handle those concerns. Uh, There should be no laws regarding contracts other than you will follow the contract that you signed. And that government regulations on businesses should be, generally speaking, at a minimum, and preferably none. The problem with this that I see is that corporations, by their very nature, are amoral. They have no morals. They, they can't have morals. They're artificial legal constructs created specifically to keep the employees shielded from legal liability, especially the bosses, of course. And it turns out I actually know something about this because I had an S-corporation some years back. The whole point of a corporation, its entire reason for existence, is to maximize income for its owners. We, we call those owners, by the way, shareholders. Yeah, that means there's one overriding motive which trumps all others, and that is the profit motive. And these corporate owners, the shareholders, they will do anything and everything to increase profits for themselves. Well, duh, of course they will. It's human nature to want to improve the lot and, you know, the your lot in life uh, for you and yours. Of course. You know, we saw it with Andrew Carnegie and Carnegie Steel back in the day. Dirt poor Irish kid. He becomes one of the richest men in, the, in, in history. We saw it with Standard Oil and John D. Rockefeller. Uh, we see it today with the several oil companies, uh, Shell, Exxon, BP, uh, Chevron, uh, Gulf, and so on. We also see it with uh, what these days we call big tech and big media. Uh, the, these two categories used to be separate. But I don't know. Nowadays, they're looking pretty closely merged together You know, the way, from where I stand. I'm talking Microsoft, Apple, Google, uh, Facebook, uh, Twitter, Sony, 
Disney, Paramount, Warner Brothers, and, and so on. Now, 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 wait a second now, Cowboy T. Just wait a second. Hold on. We obviously have more than one media company, don't we? There's more than one oil company, right? You, you just named off a few. Yeah, true, and I did. There are several media companies. There are several oil companies. Won't that naturally lead to competition with the customer naturally rewarding the company or companies that provide the best value? You know, the ones that the companies that they can't do that, they'll go out of business, right? Well, sure, that's the idea, and it's a good one. Unfortunately, it doesn't account for something called cartels. Uh Uh-huh. This is when the big players in any market work together to distort that free market idea of Best Buy for the customer. Not so many years ago, we saw that with the chemical companies polluting the water. Wasn't that long ago. We saw it with the various coal and oil companies polluting the air and causing various types of acid rain. That was one of my projects in college and high school, for that matter. Uh, Just look at gas prices in any given area if you want to see it locally. You seen those street corners with multiple gas stations? I sure have. Ever notice that they're all within a cent of each other? Maybe two if you're really lucky. Heck, they're usually exactly the same. Here's another one. Just look at the General Motors EV1 all-electric car. You know, this is back in the 90s. All that behind-the-scenes maneuvering about it. Look today at how all the car dealerships in certain states are suing Tesla together for selling their all-electric cars directly to people. Yeah, cutting out that middleman dealer. They don't like that, so they band together. Look how the cigarette companies used to actively market their cigarettes to kids. Joe Camel, anyone? It's been years since they stopped that, and it still blows me away even now that they got away with it. Uh, Here's another one. Corporations firing American workers and shipping those jobs overseas, Uh, like, for example, Red China or India. Uh, Abusing the H-1B visa system to fire American workers, like maybe you, and replace them with foreign workers because cheaper. And now the latest one. Censorship of voices that they don't like politically. I'm looking at you, Amazon, Facebook, Twitter, Google, Apple. And then these kingpins of business have the temerity to look us in the face and say, Who, us? Yeah, you. That's where we need government to step in, set some rules, and actually enforce them. That's where the libertarians and I disagree. To, you know, to them it seems, well, nothing wrong with the Joe Camel ads. Nothing wrong with corporate bosses colluding to fix prices, agreeing to unhealthy environmental practices to get the short-term profits. Uh, Nothing wrong with them colluding to de-platform people who don't agree politically with the the platform owners. Yeah, I know. It doesn't sound too flattering, does it? But these are the implications of the very beliefs that they list on their website. The big question, is that really what they mean by limited government? That's a valid question. We'll take a short break and address that when we come back. All right, we're back. We left off with the question why the libertarians don't seem to believe much in government stepping in with some rules and enforcing them for the betterment of the people. 
Uh, you got to remember, and this is very important if you want to actually take a serious shot at answering this, you got to remember, the American libertarian movement has its roots in folks like Adam Smith and John Locke and similar folks. That's not a bad thing, by the way. You see, back then, you had the European dictatorships that generally strong-armed people, you know, however the hell they felt like. Whatever the king or the czar or the emperor, you know, insert term for dictator here said, folks, that was law. Held back the advance of business terribly. Held up some good progress, unless, of course, you were in with the power brokers. And even then, it wasn't really progress. It was just the support of ineptness because, well, you were in with the power brokers. Well, the folks like Adam Smith and John Locke and et al., they saw that and they understood why that was bad news. And it was. So, of course, they wanted to keep government's hands out of all that. They had a point. Here's the problem with that, though, that we've discovered. Back in 1887, we didn't have things like Joe Camel. Documents that got released to the outside from the the cigarette companies showed that they were indeed targeting children with this campaign, despite the known health risks. Also, another thing, scientific knowledge has advanced considerably over the years. Yeah, back in the day before OSHA, there were no workplace safety rules, and you had people getting sick or dying for it. My dad told me stories about the conditions under which Grandpa worked. Oh, boy. I'll quote him exactly. Workplace safety, son? That was a joke. Employers are all agreeing on this stuff, by the way. You'd be amazed at the conversations that happen on the golf course, and I've been privy to a few of those, and it's really something else to hear. Uh, Oh, uh, by the way, Same goes for employment contracts. A lot of companies used to demand that you sign something called a non-competition clause as a precondition for employment. Couldn't work there unless you sign one of these. If you do sign one of these as part of your employment agreement, here's what that means. If you leave the company for any reason, you cannot work for anyone else in the same field of business for a certain period of time. And it's usually one to five years. Gee, it makes it kind of hard to use the free market to get better employment, doesn't it? I do know that Microsoft used to require this. I remember that because I had to sign one to work there. I don't know if they still do. Well, it turns out that in, in some states, Virginia is one of them, there are laws that say such contract provisions are unenforceable. That's good. But suppose that kind of protection wasn't there. Well, I'll tell you what I saw happen in Washington. Just about every IT employer in the area started using non-competition clauses. Uh, It wasn't just Microsoft. Now, people, when just about every employer in that industry is doing it, you as a worker, you don't have a heck of a lot of choice if you actually want to feed your family that night or make your house payment anyway. You're probably going to sign your rights away so as you can eat tomorrow. Yeah, here's another one. Information technology companies, I'm going back to that because it's my industry, uh, were demanding that anything that you invent while employed by them, anything at all, becomes their property. Yeah. Even if you come up with a cool idea or, or program at home, your home, on your own time, on your own gear, and it didn't involve any of your employer's trade secrets or, or what, what else not, okay? This got so bad that And, you know, this is one thing I actually like about what the state of California did. The state of California actually had to pass a law 
specifically requiring companies to provide an exception for folks doing their own stuff on their own time with their own gear. That's why Silicon Valley became that hotbed of technology and innovation that it still is today. Yeah, still today. It still is. Even with you know competition like Seattle, Northern Virginia, India, and so on. And that law is a big reason why. You see, that's the problem. You can't go totally laissez-faire. Otherwise, you're back in the days of, well, I'm sure you read about this, uh, your white shirt getting speckled black after being outside for five minutes because all the coal dust in the air. You're back to the days of the infamous London fog. I'm sure you've all heard about that. You know the pea soup smog in the air that ate up people's lungs, gave them emphysema? Well, the cartelism will kick in and distort the free market. And that is indeed what we actually got. I'm not talking the movies. That's real life. These things actually happened. Matter of fact, they happened at nauseam. Yet at the same time. Naturally, there's a but provision here. <laughs> You've got to be just as careful not to have too much government regulation. You've got to be really careful about that, too. Let's look again at California, my home state. They've gone totally in the opposite direction from laissez-faire. The government of California is basically a nanny state now. Folks, I used to think that California was a liberal state. (laughs) I used to. Not anymore. Look at what the politicians have been doing. They're continuing to eviscerate the Second Amendment rights of the people there. Oh, of course, except the politicians themselves, naturally. You ought to see the new restrictions now. In some ways, they're even worse than New York's restrictions, and that's saying something. That's pretty bad. Yeah, let's look at teaching. If you're a school teacher, you've got to teach to a certain political philosophy, which would, uh, generally speaking, be the Democrat Party's philosophy. And if you don't, you're actually at risk of getting de-staffed in some places. And if you're a teacher, you know how good that is not to be de-staffed. I remember when some kids wore American flag shirts on Cinco de Mayo Day in a California school. Yeah, Yeah, here's a good one. They get suspended from school. Uh, last I checked, it's never, ever supposed to be wrong to celebrate the American flag here in the United States of America, ever. Not here, not on this soil. I get it if you're in some other country, but not here in the USA. And, oh, by the way, no, the kids weren't all a bunch of white kids that were waving the Confederate flags, nothing like that. Two of the kids were Mexican, so let's not go there either. Here's another one, eminent domain. It's gotten ridiculous out there. Well, okay, in fairness, it's happened other places too, not just California, which, well, kind of illustrates the point further. Tax money gets improperly spent. Look at what our officials are doing out there. You got homeless people going to the bathroom right in the streets. Yeah, yeah, they're doing this in San Francisco and Los Angeles. Governor Gavin Newsom pretty much shut down the state, and, and guess what? Small businesses were disappearing, and they still are. And yet he and his cronies are not following their own COVID-19 rules. Hmm, that's right. Talk about hypocrisy. You know, generally it seems like you got to ask permission from the state just for, for just about anything out in California nowadays. And, you know, even before, heck, long before this COVID-19 thing hit, they still had a budget crisis out there. And it's been dire for quite some time now. That's the risk of the other side, the nanny state. None of these things is good news. Looks like polar opposites here. Laissez-faire versus the nanny state. Question, is there any middle ground? Any middle ground at all? 
Is the discussion of middle ground even appropriate? Does it even apply? We'll tackle that next after we come back from the break. More to come. Welcome back. The question we're dealing with is the so-called middle ground, if there is one, between laissez-faire and the nanny state. Laissez-faire is what we had a lot more of back in the 19th century. I've mentioned what I see as some flaws in that philosophy. However, the nanny state that California, oh, and New York too, for that matter, the nanny state that they've become, that's downright scary. I'm serious. It's no wonder that a lot of people are leaving that once great state. And yeah, California really was great once. I remember it. I grew up in it. The way things are out there now, though, even I wouldn't go back to live in California now at this point. I couldn't go back to live in California now at this point. I'd be an instant felon. It's like next thing you know, you'll need a permit to sneeze. So I can kind of understand why the libertarian folks are taking it as far as they are. They're sick and tired of all that stuff I just mentioned earlier. And I can't blame them because I'm sick and tired of all that stuff I just mentioned earlier, too. But I don't go so far as they do with the lies fair model. That's the difference. Remember, they don't account for cartelism and collusion, or at least I'm not seeing it if they do. Maybe I just missed it. That's possible. But I'm not seeing it on their website or in my other readings. Uh, that's where I think, for example, uh, the Sherman Antitrust Act is a good thing. If only it were enforced evenly. Why is it a good thing? Because a cartel, like an oligarchy, which is pretty much what a cartel is, is just as bad as a monopoly. Yeah. Say you've got folks colluding together to suppress, oh, whistleblowers who catch, oh, I don't know, uh, let's say the dumping of raw sewage into the river. Well, that steps on the rights of people who depend on that water. You know, the folks that drink it, wash their clothes in it, fish in it, bathe in it, and whatever else. If you've got folks colluding to hide car safety problems, and yes, that has happened in this country more than once, you know, Ford Pinto anyone, and those manufacturers are swearing up and down, no, ain't nothing wrong with this car, perfectly safe. Uh Uh-huh, yeah. And then along comes someone like a, a Ralph Nader type or someone else like that who exposes this, And then this someone gets visited by some uh, persuaders to uh, convince the whistleblower to shut up. Yeah. Folks, I think we all know what that means. And when this whistleblower goes to the police on crutches after having his legs broken, it gets swept under the rug. Hmm. Funny that. You don't think that violates the rights of those who are driving that unsafe car? I do. How about the folks who depend on that river that's now full of raw sewage? What about that whistleblower's rights to not have his legs broken? That's where, I think, I differ from the libertarians. The rights of the folks living downstream, or the folks driving those cars, or the folks breathing in the air. The libertarians understand that they have rights. The question is, how do you enforce those rights? Because those folks' rights got to be respected too, you know? just like the folks running that corporation. I don't see where it's somehow cool to actively market a known cancer-causing agent, i.e. cigarettes, to little kids. 
I don't see where it's okay to ignore the rights of people to breathe clean air. Hey, that air was clean for millions of years before that factory came along and started you know, pumping sulfur dioxide into it. We evolved breathing clean air, folks, not SO2. Collusion of the big players is what allows problems like these to happen. Remember, I mentioned that golf course. I'm not seeing where the libertarians are, are accounting for any of this, other than to say, well, there's a Second Amendment, you can have guns, so use your gun to defend yourself from violence. Well, yeah, sure, I believe in that too, heart and soul, yeah. But should that always be the solution? You know, Should that be our immediate go-to? Be ready to pop a cap at anyone we think might be coming to you know, beat us to hell for being a whistleblower? I can't accept a society like that. That sounds like mob rule to me. Might makes right. I can't go for that. Now, maybe they do account for these things, and I just don't see it there. That's entirely possible. Totally possible. Any of you libertarian listeners out there, you let me know if that's the case, would you? I don't mind revisiting this topic if that's what happened. You know, make a post on, you know, on, on the Facebook page, would you? Fair is fair. I don't mind revisiting this topic if, that's, if, I, if I miss something here. At this point, though, I cannot call myself a libertarian, despite my strong belief in social liberalism and fiscal conservatism. We do need governments to keep people in check to some degree. The question is, to what degree? I'm going to borrow a little bit from the Wiccans on this one. <laughs> yeah, I know, the Wiccans. Ooh, Actually, they've got a lot of wisdom. You're about to hear some. they got something they call the Reed. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. It's spelled R-E-D-E. Now, this is what provides their basic moral philosophy. It's in poem form. The Wiccans do seem to like waxing poetic. <laughs> and the last line of that poem is what struck me. It goes like this. And ye harm none, do what ye will. I may not be a Wiccan, but as a liberal, well, that's my basic philosophy too. You folks out there, you may have something different. Cool, fine. But that's basically mine. And that's where I see uh, the missing piece in libertarianism. They seem to espouse the freedom of the individual, which I also share. But they seem to stop there and say, but let private, private property owners do whatever they want without interference from the government. Unfortunately, as I've just pointed out, that in itself can have, oh, and has had, a harmful effect on the rights of other people. There's got to be something big and bad enough to give that big well-moneyed private property owner some kind of pause before you know they go stepping on the rights of others like that what's that big and bad something it's government but there's a catch and it's a big one anytime you involve government like that you got to be really careful Otherwise, you swing the other way, like Red China, North Korea, Saudi Arabia, um, Iran, Syria's Assad regime, and so on. Heck, California looks like it's well on its way there these days. So does New York. There's a fellow that comes to mind right now. His name is Professor Eben Moglen. I admire the heck out of this guy. He's the lead attorney for the Software Freedom Law Center and the Free Software Foundation. Started out a computer programmer, got into law later, and graduated from, oh, what was it, Yale Law School? Yeah, it was Yale Law School. Oh, and after that, he clerked for Justice Thurgood Marshall. (laughs) 
He's been a professor of law and legal history at Columbia University for quite a few years now. So you can tell this guy's you know really dumb and no no accomplishments whatsoever. <laughs> well, along with Richard Stallman, he's largely responsible for the free software movement that resurged in the 1980s and well continues to this day. You may know it better as the open source movement, but it's really the free software movement. Richard provided the programming expertise. Uh, he also provided the basic philosophy. Dr. Moglin provided the legal framework. The software Linux, uh, license that Linux uses, you know the so-called Linux license? Heck, that a lot of software uses. The GNU GPL? He and Richard wrote it. One of his big things, he expressed this idea in a keynote presentation that, uh, that he did at a Red Hat Summit in uh, 2006. Anytime you place limitations on freedom like the Free Software Foundation did with the GNU General Public License, it must be done only to greater guarantee the preservation of freedom for people. There can never be a net loss of freedom for people. And that's the kind of thing that's got to be done very sparingly in any case. After all, this is freedom we're talking about here. That was the idea he presented. And I agree with Professor Moglin. It's a core part of why I use GNU Linux, OpenBSD, and LibreOffice, and, and other free software on my computers. Well, I'm using it right now, as a matter of fact, to make this very podcast that you're listening to. The program I'm using is called Audacity. It's also why I'm a big supporter of the GNU General Public License. So, apparently I'm not a libertarian after all. Who knows? Maybe I'm a liberal Tarian, <laughs> like one listener suggested some years ago. <laughs> well, I don't know. Then that's as good a card toss in the hat as any other. But personally, I'll keep referring myself to myself as the liberal that I know myself to be. Remember the definition of liberalism: a political philosophy based on belief in progress, the essential goodness of man, and the autonomy of the individual, and in standing for tolerance and freedom for the individual from arbitrary authority in all spheres of life especially by the protection of political and civil liberties and for government under law with the consent of the governed. Notice that definition doesn't say there can't be any government. Nope. It says it needs to be under law with the consent of the governed. In my, I guess, brand of liberalism, it's therefore totally consistent to believe heart and soul in the Bill of Rights, as well as a certain level of federal oversight. You know, for example, the... Environmental Protection Agency. But what about the Tenth Amendment? I know some of you out there are thinking that. Can't say I blame you. It's in the Constitution, and it comes up a lot, so we better address it, too. And we're going to do that right after the break. More to come. Okay, we left off with the question, but what about the Tenth Amendment? Yeah, it comes a lot. It comes up, or rather, a lot. And since it does come up a lot, well, we really ought to address it. Guess what? The folks bringing it up do have a point. 
Let's review what the Tenth Amendment says. Quote, The powers not delegated to the United States by the Constitution, nor prohibited by it to the states, are reserved to the states respectively, or to the people. Close quote. That's the Tenth Amendment. It's basically the catch-all amendment from just grabbing powers that weren't expressly given to it by the Constitution that keeps the feds from doing that. It says anything else that we don't expressly cover here in the Constitution, that we don't expressly grant to the federal government, that's for the states or the people. So there is a, a case for leaving, you know, it to the states, whatever it is, or to the people. The Constitution says so. It's right there. I just read it. The libertarians, therefore, also say so. And in principle, I agree. And it sounds great. Until the states or the local municipalities stop ensuring the equal application of the law to the people therein. Don't dismiss this, folks. Uh Uh-uh. That's how we got Jim Crow for 100 years and slavery before that. It's how we got laws that said you can only marry within your so-called race. Remember, it took an incredibly bloody civil war to end slavery. Then it took federalizing the National Guard to get Governor George Wallace out of that doorway. It took federal troops just to ensure the basic physical safety of black students going to so-called white schools in the South. It took a Supreme Court case to end that ridiculous... uh, Marry within your same race kind of laws. I'm talking about specifically the case of Loving versus Virginia, 1967. This is one of the <clears throat> one of the landmark civil rights cases in our country. Now, here's where I've heard the libertarians usually say, "Oh, but the private sector will do better." That was the government making those errors. Oh, please! Private businesses weren't any better either. They also told people to go take a hike just because of their color, not their behavior, not their criminal record. Just their color. Take a hike, boy, gal. You know, heck, states weren't fixing this problem. No. Heck, some state governments were actually helping it. You know, for example, Alabama. Active participants, people. That's why the Federal Voting Rights Act of 1965 became necessary. That's also why some people have been trying to attack it for so long. Now, they got some success in 2013. Yeah. The case was uh, Shelby County, Alabama, hmm, there's that name again, versus Eric Holder. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Well, I don't know yet. But I do know for sure that in 1965, when the Voting Rights Act was made law, it sure was necessary. Now, I got to say something before we go any further, though. Before we go any further, let's just get something straight here right now. I know for sure, and you should too, that the libertarians abhor bigotry. I already mentioned that before, but it bears repeating here. I'm not saying they like bigotry at all. No, uh uh-uh, they abhor it. That's pretty obvious. They're very clear that it's wrong. It ought to be expunged from any civilized society, and that's good. So let's not go trying to claim some nonsense like, oh, the libertarians support bigotry or any other crazy crap like that. If you do it, I'll call you on it because you're wrong. That's not what's going on here. What's going on is simply this. I'm not seeing how libertarianism accounts for that kind of systemic abuse 
when there's a coordinated effort to maintain that abuse, that distortion of the free market. Besides going for your guns, what do you do? Well, history already showed us. I just reminded all of you. To borrow from President Obama, the the private sector didn't do that. No. Somebody else made that happen. Oh, and unlike when he said it, in this case it's actually true. The federal government was needed to make that happen. So, yeah, my brand of liberalism is apparently somewhat different from libertarianism. I do think we need the government there to step in when needed, but only when needed. That's why... As just one example, I have no problem with the legalization of gay marriage, you know, a same-sex marriage, a homosexual marriage, LGBTQ marriage, whatever the term du jour is for that. I never did either, even as a kid, and I don't now. Here's why. Remember that marriage in the United States is fundamentally a business contract from a legal perspective. You don't have to go to church to get married. You can do it in City Hall. No religion needed. Well, at least not in this country, no religion needed. You all remember George Takei? Yeah, the original Mr. Sulu from Star Trek. Uh Uh-huh. Well, about 13 years ago, he got married to a guy named Brad Altman. Yeah, married. See, homosexuals can marry each other in several states, including California. So it ain't my thing. I definitely like the opposite sex. Oh, yeah. Okay, fine, great. But I'm not seeing how their marriage is somehow hurting me or infringing on my rights to live however I want. And the same goes for anyone else. I don't see how George and Brad's marriage is infringing on other people's rights to live however they want. Here's another example. Those Confederacy worshipers, you know, the ones that seem to pray to their Confederate flags. I probably find that just as offensive as the evangelical and fundamentalist Christians find gay marriage. But where's our governmental interest in prohibiting either one? Evangelical and fundamentalist Christians don't want to see two people of the same sex walking hand in hand down the street, and especially not wearing wedding rings. Likewise, I don't want to see the Confederate flag. But guess what, people? Neither one of those things is illegal. And I don't see a valid governmental interest in banning something just because someone doesn't like it. Well, someone didn't like Mr. and Mrs. Loving getting married either. He was white and she was black. The bigots called it unnatural and uh, against God and uh, against nature. And get this, there's still people who believe that nonsense to this day. Amazingly, that even includes some preachers, some of whom call themselves Christians. Well, tough cookies, folks. It ain't banned anymore, and it never should have been. Same with pretty much everything else. It doesn't stop you from exercising your rights if you think you know of something, I don't know, something different. Uh, for example, if you're homosexual, the right to get married. I think it's your as much your right as it is mine from a human rights perspective. And by the way, I say that having gotten married myself almost two years ago, in my case to a woman. On that point, I, a liberal, agree 100% with the libertarians. And ye harm none, do as ye will. So we should generally keep government out of our lives. Until someone does something to infringe on the rights of others. And only then. Only then should we involve government. That's why I consider it totally consistent to believe heart and soul in the Constitution, as written, as well as certain agencies, like the EEOC, OSHA, the EPA, the the FDA, 
the FAA, I'll get to the FAA in a minute here, and the FTC, you know, the Federal Trade Commission. Um, the FAA, why that? Well, remember the Boeing 737 MAX problems that caused several crashes? And the 787 Dreamliner problems with the lithium batteries you know, catching fire and exploding? Yeah. I'm talking about certain agencies that have proved necessary due to demonstrated abuses of people's basic rights. Now, you, John or Jane Doe out there, some of you may think, well, I don't need all that. I can take care of myself. Yeah, okay. You say you're armed? Sure. Yeah, you probably are. But even if you had a Class 3 machine gun, you know, we'll even say a modus, modus. We'll give you a modus. You still ain't big and bad enough to stand up against, say, a Monsanto or the Motion Picture Association of America or George Wallace's police departments. If you think you are, Huh, then you're Don Quixote. Good luck, buddy. Huh. Far as I know, the federal government, with its powers of arrest and the legal authority to enforce it with guns if need be, if need be, is the only organization that was willing at all and actually capable of getting George Wallace out of that damn doorway or reigning in Bull Connor and oh, and his modern-day incarnation, Sheriff Joe Arpaio in Arizona. Or getting BP and Exxon to at least make some kind of token effort at cleaning up their oil spills. Now, if everyone played nice, well, that'd be great. We wouldn't need the police. We wouldn't need courts. Probably wouldn't even need a government. But, obviously, real life shows us that we ain't there yet. Even small bands of people usually have some kind of judge. It's usually a chief or something. There's something, even then. Now, again... That governmental power needs to be used only when absolutely necessary and at no other time. I do think it's used too much. A lot too much. And uh, that's by the power brokers of both the major political parties, the Democrats and the Republicans. Not a one of them's full of saints, folks. Quite the opposite, I would suggest. But to get rid of it all? Go straight laissez-faire? I hope I've made a case for why we really ought not do that. I think it's better to just rein them in and keep them in better check than we do. Now, that's the job of us, the people. Us. And we do need to do a better job of that at the ballot box. As far as I'm concerned, with maybe one exception, neither the Democrats nor the Republicans are real liberals, and the one exception is named Brian Schweitzer. And sadly, he hasn't run for office after his terms of being governor of Montana, because right now he's about it. Ironic though it may sound to some of you, throwing it all out would actually be detrimental to the defense of liberty. So should we, as liberals, reject the libertarians and their ideas? No. No way, as a matter of fact. I sure don't think so. If we did that, I think that'd be a huge mistake. And that's a mistake that a lot of us are making right now. I'm convinced of the opposite, that libertarianism has some good ideas in it. Oh yeah, there's no question it does. They're, they're apparently complete and utter rejection of bigotry of any sort. That really attracts me. Gee, big surprise. That's a really good thing, folks. Their idea of reigning in government really is a good idea. Look how sprawling it's become. They do have a point. Look at how our elected officials are going with the the surveillance state mindset. 
Do you really want police drones flying over your home all the time? I don't. Do you really want the police tracking everywhere you drive or even walk? I don't. And speaking of the police, how about this? The increased militarization of our, of our, of our police departments. Yeah, you've you seen them over the last 15 years? They're wearing body armor and outfitted like they're the 82nd Airborne or the Marines. They look like the troops we sent over to Iraq and Afghanistan. They're all tacticaled up. They're militarized. Seriously, they look like warriors instead of peace officers. And they're acting more and more like it, too. Uh, that's that incident in uh, in our state here in Virginia uh, with the lieutenant just demonstrated that yet again. I've seen police like that before, by the way, in other countries, too. These are countries where they don't have civil rights for the people like we do here. This is scary stuff, folks. As liberals, we would do well to work with the libertarians on those things we agree on, like, for example, reigning in abuses of government authority. There. The libertarians are our natural allies. They really are. Despite the areas we don't necessarily agree on, the libertarians do seem to believe in following the Constitution. And really, folks, that's a good thing. That is an excellent thing. That's more than a whole lot of politicians in office today can say. That's for doggone sure. And for the stuff that we don't see totally eye to eye on. Well, hey, let's have those discussions. Let's hash it out in logical, rational talks or even debates, just so long as it stays rational and logical. We ought to do that. We ought to have those talks. We ought to reach across to them because there's definitely some common ground here. Just because we're not exactly the same, that shouldn't stop us from doing this. Didn't stop Mr. and Mrs. Loving back then, did it? No, it didn't. And it shouldn't stop us today. This is Cowboy T signing off. Until next time. Till then, safe shooting, practice often, and thanks for listening. (laughs) 